This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining me again. Certainly. So we're going to jump right in in a minute. Before we do that, uh, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and you can access all of our resources there. We actually have a brand new field guide that was just released. Really exciting, Jim. The culmination, really, of, of our entire ministry, really 10 plus mm-hmm. years of writing. In this field, 52-week field guide, you can get through 10 of those is the best price. And 10 of our books, uh, this field guide walks you through 10 of our books as well as a lot of the resources on our website. And so one year internship really so brian real quickly yeah i don't know that everybody knows what 10 of those is uh, yeah that's so, a that's a newer book publishing book distribution right that's right and they and are hopefully their taking, they're hopefully taking over amazon eventually <laughs> but it, but not yet uh 10 of those it, it's called 10 of those the, it's the publishing company it's also the distribution is that t-e-n if you uh, wanted to, to go no, to the website so number, so 10 number 10 of, of those, those dot T- com t-h-o-s-e I think so, but if you Google it, you'll you'll be able to okay. find it really easy easily. They have distribution in the U.S. and the U.K. and the and the U.K. Uh, store is actually you know sends stuff to Canada and all kinds of other places. My so, wife is a huge fan of ten of those since, I know she, since she discovered it. Well, they're great, and really, they're it's check them out if you're not familiar with them. In fact, they have taken over the contracts to all the bigger conferences. Matter of fact, they just did the bookstore at the Gospel Coalition Conference, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe they're doing some of the other big ones coming up in the next year. So 10 of those, and they it's the cheapest uh, price you'll find on books, and uh, they are, they're a Christian organization. They're really ministry-minded, and as Lifeway and as some of these other organizations have kind of fallen back off the radar with this, 10 of those has really stepped up and picked up a lot of these different contracts and events and those kind of things. We're partnered with them. They run our book online bookstore. They are great. So check them out. But they have the, the bundle of books and the best price on the field guide. And so I would encourage you to go check those out. And the 52-week the field guide is a one-year internship, really, in, in, the, in one book that then walks you through the other 10 books. It's designed for a pastor to take his interns through or his other pastors and train them or aspiring pastors. So, yeah, check that right. out. And um, and you can go to the website practicalshepherding.com and and find all of our resources there. Let us know if we can serve you in in any way as we uh, um, as we want to jump into this though this topic and that is developing pastoral fellowship. Jim, we you and I helped start with two other good friends of ours, Ryan Fullerton, uh, Rob Gibson. We started a pastors fellowship now over ten years ago, or fraternal, in other words, uh, or, or fraternal, however you want to word that. And what that was is the the four of us came together, and we enjoyed our own friendship and our own discussions and the sharpening we had with each other. And we said, "What if?" And we kind of all four of us had different tribes of pastoral friendships in the city. Right. And so, what if we kind of brought all of our tribes together, and and just had a fellowship and see if we could do this? And that's really where it kind of came out of is our own personal friendships. And this pastors fellowship fraternal started. Um, it, there's a kind of a version of it lingered a few years before that, but this is kind of was really a restart of something. And ten years later, we have over 200 pastors who have been a part of this or a part of this in one way or another. Mm-hmm. We'll have a good 40 or 50 pastors usually show up. We meet five times a year. Uh, we meet at your church, Jim, and we have lunch and we give a book away and we have a teaching and a discussion and fellowship. And it's really been a great encouragement uh, to to us, I know, and to a lot of the pastors that have been a part of this. We want to talk about this, one, just to let you know what this fellowship is that we've done, but but for the purpose 
of encouraging other pastors to form their own fellowship, to to embrace this idea of bringing pastors in your own area together for the sake of learning from one another and encouraging and supporting each other in the work in the work of the ministry. So that's really what we want to talk about. But before we dig in anymore, is there a passage or two, maybe Jim, we could think about in, in regard to pastors coming together in fellowship like that? Well, I think, Brian, what you can find in the scriptures is that churches in the New Testament knew about each other, were informed about each other, and they prayed for each other. And so you find it in even places like First Thessalonians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul is able to say, you know, um, verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, and you became examples in all of Macedonia and Achaia who believe. And from you the word of the Lord is sounded forth, uh, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, etc. So churches knew about other churches. Churches had fellowship with other churches. Right. Paul could write at the end of Romans and mention brethren by name from other places. Somehow there was communication. There were finances that were that went back and forth. Churches helped each other. They prayed for each other. They knew about each other. Celebrated the work of God uh, in each other. I think so. I think you can demonstrate that from a host of New Testament passages. Uh, Paul networked, you know, and, and ensured that other churches knew about each other. So it wasn't all that, hey, if you were in Philippi, you had no idea about the church in Corinth. If you were in Corinth, you didn't care about Laodicea. If you were in Laodicea, you didn't care about Ephesus. They knew each other. They communicated. Uh, they knew about each other's, you know, apparently, you know, what was going on, what their physical needs were, financial needs were. They knew when there was a famine going on or, you know, whatever the case might be, there was communication. Didn't seem to be territorialism in, in that. Yeah, or, but, but the opposite or isolation. That. It wasn't yeah, or just, isolation, it, yeah, right. it wasn't isolation. Yeah, and, and so I think that there's a, a pattern for that biblically. And then I think that there you know, part of the need of this is the kind of stuff that we have talked about repeatedly, Brian, in our podcast, even in one of our more recent podcasts about when you're struck down with weakness and you need somebody to come alongside, you need someone to help you. But if you've isolated yourself in your community, uh, then, you know, who, who who's nearby? There's a proverb that says, better um, better a, a, a friend nearby than a brother who's far away. And that there's something about having somebody near to you that can come alongside and uh, help you in the case, I and mean, there's lots, so many different things we could talk about in this regard. A church that's going through difficulty, a, 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 a matter that's beyond, if there's only one elder in the church or the elders are struggling, that they can bring in some trusted people and that the congregation isn't freaked out by that because, oh, this is a church we pray for. This guy's preached at our church. or There's partnerships he, that's there's happening partnership with the churches. Yeah. These yeah. churches have fellowship with, with each other. So I think um, what, one of the things we want to I think first establish as we're having this conversation, by the way, we have a couple of articles on the website on pastoral fellowships around this idea that we would encourage you to, to look. As a matter of fact, we may put it in the show notes for to be able to link that. But let's start, Jim, with, with we had some general agreements on things. We're talking about this. When you do a pastor's fellowship, then how do you know who to invite? You just invite every church that, that's there. There was actually a like-mindedness that we wanted to have within this group based on what we wanted to try to accomplish. Yeah. 
Go ahead. So I've got, uh, I just want to mention, there were four things that the four of us agreed on to say, whoever we invite and whatever we talk about, like we're going to unapologetically be coming together on these things. Right. And so the that kind of, it helped, it helped frame our discussions each time we met. It also helped us know who to invite. Right. Uh, so let me mention these four things. A commitment to the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, a commitment to expository preaching as the steady diet of a congregation. Mm. So that starts narrowing it down, doesn't it? Mm. A commitment to the centrality of the local church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then a fourth thing, a commitment to the call of a pastor to shepherd the souls of his people as one who will give an account. Mm. And those are the four things that we agreed on, the four of us. We're coming from four different places, some in some ways four different kinds of backgrounds. With yeah. you, and, and yet we, we agreed on these things. And that it really set up some guardrails, wouldn't you agree, for us as we started this? And 10 years later, I, w- I would still affirm this is true. Yeah, and I think one of the things we wanted to recognize is you know we want to be able to say things without having to without apology we wanted to be able to have something with some teeth to it some bite to it something that allowed guys to be able to come in with a a general comfort level that we're not going to we're not going to fight about the gospel we're not going to fight about the inerrancy of scripture right we're not going to fight about a high view of god we're not going to have to like argue about whether you should love your church and be committed to your church those those are going to be givens and so whether you were a presbyterian which we have some Presbyterians, right? Because we or, didn't distinguish that. Or you're that, Southern huh? Baptist, or in my case, a Reformed Baptist. Whether you, whether you know, we've got some guys that have some charismatic leanings. Uh, we've got guys that have we had church uh, planning Anglicans who came. Yeah, before, exactly yeah, right. So, so we, it, but you know, that there was that common ground, and you know, we we could even you know talk about things like what, what do you do in a if you're in an area where the only thing out there is is the ecumenical association that meets together, you know, once a month at the Disciples of Christ building with uh, with the agenda of planting flowers and celebrating uh, LBGTQ Day, and but that's the only ministerium thing yeah. that you know about. Uh, do you do you attend? Do you you know do you, do you try to find any common ground in that kind of a situation, or do you say to yourself, you know what, that's really not ultimately profitable. It makes you look like the oddball, the judgmental, fundamentalist Pharisee, maybe in their eyes. But you realize, I I don't really have fellowship with these. This is yeah. not centered around the gospel. Yes, they are quote unquote churches, and these are reverends or ministers. But they're not the companions who are going to come and that I want to cultivate the kinds of right. relationships with where we pray for them regularly, where we can exchange pulpits, um, maybe we could have church picnics together, you know, begin to get our Do, churches to know each other, maybe minist- occasionally have a joint, yeah. a joint worship service together once yeah, a right. year or something like that. So, so I think there's, so let's, let me mention a couple of things because we're, we're able to do that. We're in Louisville, Kentucky, right? So we're Makes able. It a lot we were able to draw some clear distinctions. So you know, Catholic priests weren't invited to our our fellowship. Uh, Mega church pastors, who uh, w- were a lot of them because of the philosophy of ministry, wouldn't have been invited to this because again, when we talk about those four distinctions we just talked about, um, the again the the idea of centrality of the local church, the and the, the shepherding of souls as a central piece to the pastor's calling, like. All of those things gives us a common ground, and we were able to put some clear distinctions like that. But to your point, 
somebody else, a pastor listening to this who's in a city where there's not a bunch of churches that are like, there's a like-mindedness there. And in fact, with ours, there is a difference. Like you said, we, we had Presbyterians, Baptists, Charismatics, Anglicans, and all these kind of things, but we still all agreed on these things. In a, a pastor in a city where there's not as many churches to be able to come together on, you either going to have a really small fellowship yeah, or you're going to have to bend on some of these things maybe you don't want to bend on, but that's going to be different for everybody because if you bend too much, you potentially lose you potentially lose some of the core aspects of what you want to represent. So with that real ecumenical group you just described, I think you know I think it's problematic to to go too far with some of those groups. But again, you you have to figure out what that balance is. It's always going to be based on many times what kind of city and situation that you're in. Right. I actually, I'll just say this quickly. I do know a guy out in Washington who <laughs> goes to the Ecumenical Association, and he's actually built some friendships and has been given some gospel opportunities. He's actually been able to speak to and address that association. Huh, interesting. And preach. So, so, I mean, some good can possibly come of that. But I think you, you want to ask yourself, first of all, is this you know, why you think this is a good thing, you know, and, and, and I think, I think we can, we're going to make the arguments that it's, it's good for a number of reasons, especially if, if you feel isolated and maybe you think, well, I'm isolated because I really am the only one you may not be. And, and what you may find is, okay, that guy, he's not everything you are. Um, again, maybe he is, he's at the PCA church or an OPC church and you're Southern Baptist and you're like, oh, I've never really gotten to know a guy, but start there. Start with calling a guy. Um, look in your directory. I mean, well, of course, do you have yellow pages anymore? Or, or I don't think maybe, so. <laughs> maybe find one of the websites like um, whoever it is. Uh, so groups like Founders have a, uh, a, a church search. Um, well, nine uh, marks, nine marks, the gospel, gospel coalition, coalition a lot of different stuff, ones yeah. have searches. Yep. Type in your, uh, start with typing in your, your zip code and seeing who's within 10, 15, 20 miles. Yep. And even if it's three or four guys, one of the things we had to say, Brian, when we started this, you remember having that first lunch together at I Logan's do. or wherever it was, That's where we were, places, yeah. and we said, okay, or we first of all, we had you and I had talked about doing this. That's right. Yeah. And then I had talked about it with with uh, Rob, and we said very often, "Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea." And finally, it was like, "Hey, are we going to do this or not? Let's yeah. let's get together." And I, in my in my recollection, of course, I'm the hero in my recollection of all of this. As as you are mine. So, exactly. Yeah, sorry. So and I and I, I didn't know Ryan very well, but I knew he had a lot of connections that I certainly didn't have. So when we talked about. My tribe, my tribe was you three guys. So you know that's who I brought. Uh, you yeah. guys at the table. Yeah, and that's a bit tongue in cheek, but I didn't have nearly what you guys did. But we said to ourselves, okay, are we willing to do this if it's just the four of us, or if it's five of us? Mm-hmm. And I think our first meeting we might have had twenty. Yeah, I don't even remember. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then, you know, it, and it would go back and forth, and now regularly it's 40 to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had, I think, 200, 250 different people come yeah. over the years. Some came as far as Cincinnati sometimes to come. That's we had right. Guys coming down from Indiana, guys from uh, Lexington. down south. Yeah, like out in Lexington, guys coming from. So 60, 90 uh, miles away, guys are. Yeah, so guys, guys are and guys have been coming. And for some of repeatedly, the. Uh, Many of the men had very little fellowship with other pastors, didn't even know whether these other churches existed, sometimes didn't know that 
you're 10 miles from me or you're five miles from me. Or sometimes, oh, you're that guy from a few blocks away. And then they begin to cultivate their own more local, maybe monthly, weekly, or twice a month. They get together, they get breakfast, they pray together, and they begin a bond between their churches. And I think, Brian, we saw in one case that there was there was a, a place where there had been a church split in the past and two different congregations, and now these guys that both came after the split. And, I, and if I'm not forgetting i think that led eventually to a reconciliation between mm-hmm. those churches where they had split yeah and i think that started at our fraternal there's been several yeah we have several testimonies like that for the last decade that god's used the fraternal in a way that we didn't expect but he he certainly did some different things Let, let's go here jim let's let's talk about let's just kind of go back and forth uh, what we have observed in 10 years that has just been benefits Maybe benefits we hoped would happen. Maybe benefits we didn't see happen. Even like one you just mentioned. But let's kind of just go back and forth and talk about some of the benefits we've seen that might motivate. Because we know this is one more thing to add to a pastor schedule. But we want to advocate that this is worth doing. This is yeah. worth giving time to. So what what would be one that you would mention? What's a benefit you've seen in the last ten years? I think there's a, there there well there was a great benefit to our church. Okay, and, and and even how our church was understood and how our church was oh, that's viewed. Good. Yeah, that's good. Because you know, our testimony is different. So you know, we were here, and I I bring this out every once in a while. You know, we we are the we were here doing what we were doing before the church. I don't mean that in any snotty way. No, you were. That's true. And so you were we pre Albert Miller. So, yeah. So Louis we were Kentucky, we were so. before the the transition at Southern. We were here before all these revitalizations took place, before these new church plants. So um, modernism, or whatever it was called at that time, or you know, liberalism, uh, the moderate wing of the Southern Baptists. So the PCUSA sem- seminary was big, you know. So there weren't a lot of guys. weren't even guys preaching the gospel. There weren't churches that had elderships. They to practice church discipline it's, was like talking why, to like... That's why you planted here. So that, you know, time, that is right? one of the... You so, know, yeah. And so we were confessional. And so for a time, we were isolated. You know, we felt isolated. I tried to... I always had a heart to reach out to other guys. I actually started a fraternal back in 1991 or 92, shortly after I was here. And it was like four guys. Yeah. But at that time, it was like just trying to introduce basic concepts. And I, you know, we'd give away, we'd buy books like lectures to my students, evangelism, the sovereignty of God, knowing God, and would talk about things like the glory of the church and the importance of preaching and, you know, you know church discipline or whatever it was, you know, holiness of life, you know, those kinds of just yeah. basic, basic issues, trying to just encourage some guys. And all those guys eventually wound up leaving their churches, leaving their ministries, and, you know, because it was just kind of typical, the two-year thing, and you're gone. Uh, and then, it, you know, I wanted to see something like that for years, but I went more, I, I, there was a time I thought, I need to teach these things, and then it got to be more like, I need to receive as well. I, I need to... I need to learn from others and not just be viewed as like, yeah. oh, I'm, I, I, I know more, I've got more. And so it, it helped our church that felt a bit isolated, that maybe there was a degree of spiritual pride and to realize, hey, God's doing things in other churches. And there are other ministries that we can be involved in. We don't have to start it, doesn't have to have our stamp on it. If these guys are doing something we should do and we get to know them, let's help. Uh, yeah. Let's become a part of it. So that it helped our church. That's good. One of the things I saw as a benefit is guys got a regular reminder. 
pastors who are in isolation in rural contexts, whatever, would come into this and they would realize they're not crazy. They're not. They're not the only ones dealing with all the things that they're dealing with, and that would happen. In the we 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 have always given intentional time for the meal. You know, a lot of times you do these things. You like eat in fifteen minutes. You got go do the next thing. Yeah, we give a solid 45, 50 minutes of eating. And just letting the guys sit in fellowship together. And a lot of the friendships have formed out of, I'm convinced, because we actually have given time to letting that meal time just kind of sit and be there and be, just be able to be present, right. not rushed in it. And guys find out, oh, he's dealing with something. I'm the same thing I'm doing. And and then they, they go in and hear one of the talks and discussions that one of us would give. And they're like, wow, they, they're dealing with the same thing that I'm dealing with. Mm. It was an opportunity for guys to regularly be reminded they're not alone in the unique struggles of ministry. And I have found, just in pra- all the work with practical shepherding, that's one of the best, easiest ways to minister to a pastor in general, just FYI, is let them know they're not alone in what they're struggling with, because many will conclude they are. And this fellowship really brought some of that. What's something else for you? Yeah, I think we. It's just that connectivity that I touched on that earlier. But one of the things that's really been enjoyable is seeing guys who felt like they were alone, but finding somebody now, becoming aware of another church or another brother who's nearby, and I think that has been refreshing to see friendships start. Guys that didn't know each other. It's one thing to see guys connect to know each other, but to see guys sit down regularly or across the table and somebody they don't know and begin to have either a connection or to grow a sense of burden and concern to have another church on their radar that they begin to pray for. Right. Um, again, it, it's all of those things have been among the most encouraging for me to just witness because because yeah. uh, I, have, I have begun to enjoy that, and, and I have that to a large degree. But to watch somebody who hasn't had that to see that begin to happen, and then they come to you or to me or to one of the other men afterward and just thank us afresh for what this has meant to them. It's it's given a shot of adrenaline or encouragement to guys who otherwise may have actually, otherwise maybe be out of the ministry by now. Yeah, that's right. Here's one that you wouldn't think would be a fruit of it, but I've watched it be a really good fruit of this. As pastors get to know each other and develop friendships, when their church members leave mad and go to that guy's church, right. these pastors know each other. And so it allows a process to figure out how to best care for those members yeah. who, are, who are leaving versus it becoming a you know, a competition where pastors don't know each other. And so they're not worried about the other one. So it's interesting. A lot of people who leave churches disenchanted and go join another church, they're used to the, they're used to the, the isolation of that. And they can kind of go do their thing, whatever they want. And, they're not anticipating the two pastors actually not only knowing each other, but being friends and, in a sense, holding a church member accountable for how they're leaving. Now, they still may need to leave, and that still may happen that yeah, way. But, we, it, but I've watched pastors interact to try to help with the transition or encourage a church member to go back or whatever it might be. This fellowship has created friendships among pastors to where uh, there's a greater accountability, ironically, for their church members and how they handle themselves. When you when you have these fellowships and it's all local in the same the same city, there's a lot of crossover. And that's happened quite a bit. Uh, yeah, throughout the years. I, I agree. And that's uh, let's let's talk, Brian, a little bit about you. You meant this very, very quickly, but it might be helpful. You don't have to do what we do. Well, let's talk about what we do and why we do what we do mm-hmm. as far as what it looks like. So, okay. how long do we meet together? Yeah, so we meet five times a year. We typically do January, March, May. 
and then September, November, we skip the summer, and we meet on a Tuesday lunch. So at least full-time so we, pastors. And we start at 12. And we start right at 12, and, and, we, we, end, and we end at 2. So we it's end two at 2. Hours. So part of that is, and we and we, and we kind of jealously stick to that, right? And explain explain why. Just, I, just, I, I try. I try. Well, we do a good, we, I think we do a good we job. We do a pretty Guy, good job. Guys can hang out afterward if they yeah, want to, right. but we try to end it right at 2. Start so, at 12, end at 2. We, we do that one to let them know how long it's going to be. Right. So it gives us time to let them have time to eat and fellowship together before we actually have a structured thing happen. And then the next hour is a, as a, a, a teaching a lot of times with a discussion and hopefully some prayer time. But we want to end right at two to just honor their time to say, look, give us the two hours. And pastors need to plan their schedule out. So, you know, if, yeah. if they are coming and we want to end right at two, so we honor saying to them, yeah, come and give yourself to this time and we will we'll honor your next appointment that you've scheduled right after this kind of thing. So two hours and we do the meal and and the teaching and all that within that two hour time period, and we do it in the same place. So we yeah. actually go so come in to our church. church. Yeah. So my, my my church was a little bit more centrally located. Yep. We had we had a good facility. That's right. We can easily handle a hundred or more guys that or, or two hundred or so that if they wanted to come. Um, so we do a meal now. What we do is we've done several different things. Just just like letting guy, how do you do this? So. Sometimes now our our church has just taken it upon ourselves. God has blessed us financially, so I said at the beginning we'll handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that takes the burden away. So sometimes we have catered. Uh, so we've done everything from Chick Fil A to Domino's or Papa John's to Mission Barbecue to to your people cooking to our people cooking yeah, right. right. Uh, um, and so sometimes our folks will cook, and that, so that's so we do a different we do a variety. Uh, of, of things. So depending on when you're there, it be, might be a little bit fancier, a little bit more homes, but there's always food for everybody. I think we had one time, Brian, one time, I think we did Chick-fil-A and more guys came than we anticipated. And you and I sat back and watched and waited. And the last guy came in and ate the last one. And you and I had lunch afterwards. <laughs> we went to lunch because yeah, we, gave, yeah, our cause, cause we gave our sandwiches away. So, <laughs> so we, and so 45, 50 minutes guys eating together, enjoying fellowship with each other. Yep. So around 1245, we transition into the sanctuary. Right. And what do we, what's kind of been a goal? So we, we, we have just to say, uh, as leaders to explain what we do as the so four of us have, have taken the leadership maybe go through walk through the process of our discussion yeah what we kind of settle on well before we go there let me go back to what you were talking about with the meal because there's really we do four things we have a we have a location we meet at which is your church church we have a meal which the church graciously also has provided for the whole 10 years uh in partnership with us practical shepherding Somebody's got to administrate this. So practical shepherding is the one that administrates this whole thing, sends the emails out, gets the RSVPs through email, all that stuff. And then practical shepherding gives a book away. Uh, we give a book away each of this. So it's a partnership that your church and practical shepherding has had for this entire time as we kind of shoulder the responsibilities of this thing. We've worked together really well on this. I want to highlight that because somebody's got to organize that stuff. Like right. You've really been in charge of food and location. And you do the and, books. And I do the books and the administration of the rest of the So day. sometimes we give away a book like 
We'll go ahead and plug our book again. So the pastor's soul giveaway, or one of the we one gave of the, the field guide away. You gave the field we guide did. away. This last one. We so. did uh, gentle and lowly. That's true. Uh, you got some kind so, of deal on so that. And I'm gave getting that a, away. I'm and, getting a book deal usually, and we, and we we we've given books away for free. And nine marks we've has helped out, right? Or, or Crossways helped out, and sometimes yeah. Or, my, or just, my connection with the publishers has helped in this way, but I want to highlight that that somebody's got to take charge of these things. For this to happen, and I wanted right. to say that before we move into yeah, what yeah. we're because part of what we organize, the four of us meet. We meet in the off months of meeting. The four of us do right, and we discuss. We come up, we, and we've always agreed together on what the topic's going to be for that next time, and then who's which of the four of us, unless we bring somebody in from the outside, which of the four of us is probably best equipped to address that particular topic. All four of us bring ideas to the table when we meet, and that's how we've made decisions around And what do we call this thing? What's our, our official name for this? The Pastoral Fellowship for Practical Theology. Okay, so Pastoral Fellowship. So generally we've said elders. Yep. Occasionally we let guys, you know, what I sometimes call wannabes, uh, guys who are training for ministry to come. But yeah, we but, we kind of said either, you know, you, you, the, the elders of the church. That's right. And then practical theology. So we don't get together necessarily and do like we're going to discuss the impassibility of God or we're going to discuss uh, the the gifts of the Spirit. We're not talking we, about the four views of the atone, different views right. of the atonement. That, the that's church not government. What we're, yeah, but right. we're going to – so practical theology. Let me give a few examples. What are some things that we've had that maybe stand out in your mind that we – I've talked about, you remember? I think that there's a good mix we've tried to capture in what is relevant in what's going on in the world that's affecting pastors and just the the made this the common practical aspects of ministry. So, you know, we've this past year even we've had a you know, we've we've had a a discussion on caring for widows in the church and and just how pastors can do that, why they should engage in that uh from uh, a Talking about how pastors care for their own soul, you know, yeah. How, so uh, uh, we did one on uh, you know uh, the political climate. The, that's the, right. The, the, we did one on somebody actually addressed critical race theory at, at one right. of the yeah. one of those, which was a bit more controversial than we when, normally would do. When the and when the uh, when all the uh, stuff around uh, abuse was coming out in the SBC and other things. We, you know, we brought in Rachel Denhollander and came and addressed the group uh, with with all this the, her expertise around trying to how churches can better protect children. Uh, your brother came in once. My brother discussed, is a lawyer. Discussed came in, lawyer, right? yeah, the church and 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 matters related to the law and those. And that was the marriage thing that went down years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was after Oberfeld decision. So, so that's right. what I mean. So like practical and yet relevant to the, what's going on. We've tried to we try to marry those. And, two and a lot to the of it too. I think we've tried to do things to the heart and devotional as well. A lot of things on weariness. A lot of stuff on. Working through discouragement, how to find hope in ministry, uh, cultivating a a, a climate of prayer uh, in the church, you know, sometimes that kind of thing. If you haven't had a prayer meeting, how do you start a prayer meeting? Leadership issues, you know, how to how to have qualified leaders in place and how to how to put them in place, how to raise up. How to train and raise up leader pastors and missionaries and send them out. We did that one recently. And so so. sometimes it gets down to we're saying sometimes we get together when the four of us get together. Kind of like we we have become kind of the microcosm of what we're trying to encourage, and so when we get together, we don't just talk about the. I mean, we it comes like the last ten minutes we talk about this because we talk about we all go around. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? 
we got right. we, our, our buddy Rob likes to say, "What's your chief emotional state right now?" And it's like, I want to, I don't like questions. Like that's, that. a question. that's, that's a, a good, good question. That's a good question. I want to, yeah. you know, you know, but you know, but forcing us to talk about our own struggles, Ourselves, how yeah. we're doing, that's right. How we can pray, how we can share burdens, bear burdens. Because what's that's going on what, that maybe is breaking our heart right now or bringing us a lot of joy right now? Talk about our families, our marriages, you know. So it's just it's a way for us to build camaraderie and friendship and then sometimes out of that will come a discussion of saying right. hey this might be good for us to talk about maybe you're the guy to talk we, about we it. also do it to try to model what we hope is happening with other guys who are coming together so the yeah. goal is is that and this is maybe a lot la- a last word on this that we we're bringing guys together that hopefully form friendships and then hopefully have these own smaller groups of guys within their own area one of the great fruits to come from this is guys have met another pastor who pastors five miles down the road from them in rural Kentucky, and they had no idea. Exactly. There's a friendship there. And so, anyways, we've talked about tons of these things, but I, I think we need to wrap this episode up. We've said a lot. Uh, Jim, will you just take a minute and and pray as pastors maybe are moved to want to just maybe start something like this and how to organize it, and God gives wisdom in that. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we do want to pray for particularly our, our, our friends out there who feel isolated, who would really benefit from being a part of, uh, of something like this to give them wisdom and finding um, a brother who is a kindred spirit, uh, who loves the flock like they do, who longs for your glory like, like, the, like they do, who wants to do right, who needs help, um, who needs friends. Father, we do pray that this might be a means of uh, of revitalizing uh, their uh, in their churches a means of spreading fellowship and providing help and counsel and encouragement. Lord, uh, your servants are in need of this and pray that you, the giver of every good and perfect gift, might give it. Give help, give wisdom, give direction. Help us, Lord, to uh, come alongside and help where we can, uh, where direction is needed uh, in these matters. For your honor and for the good of your churches, we pray. Amen. Amen.